You're listening to The Luxury Item, the podcast on the business of luxury and the people and companies that are shaping the future of the luxury industry. Here's your host, Scott Kerr. In the world of fine dining, Chef Alan Ducasse sets a high bar. He is one of the world's most decorated chefs alive, with a combined 21 Michelin stars and oversees a staggering 34 kitchens spread out across three continents and nine countries. This is in addition to cafes, chocolate shops, ice cream parlors, and cooking schools teaching French cuisine to some 2,000 aspiring chefs. One of the top team members who works closely alongside Chef Ducasse is my guest on The Luxury Item today. His name is Pascal Ferreau, and he is executive chef for Ducasse Paris, the restaurant group for Alain Ducasse. Throughout his career, Pascal has worked in many of Alain Ducasse's top restaurants, including the iconic Louis Kiaz in Monaco and Le Jules Verne restaurant located on the second floor of the Eiffel Tower in Paris. Since 2011, Pascal Ferreau has continued to work alongside Alain Ducasse as the group's executive chef. Welcome to the luxury item, Pascal. Hello, Scott. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. You know, the global eateries of Alain Ducasse have been awarded a combined 20 Michelin stars, more than any chef in the world. But the Ducasse brand is more than just an extensive portfolio of internationally renowned and acclaimed restaurants. It's really a diverse enterprise that has also developed specialized restaurant consulting, events and catering, cooking schools, luxury inns and hotels, and numerous highly acclaimed and best-selling cookbooks. Can you talk about Ducasse Paris Restaurant Group and its overall philosophy? The, the group uh, is getting bigger and bigger. The group begin around uh, 96 um, with uh, two and three restaurants. And now we are, as you say, a lot of restaurants and a lot of Michelin star. Uh, the philosophy is uh, uh, Mr. Ducasse wants really to do the things well. And he doesn't want to do restaurant just to do restaurant. He wants to uh, all the restaurant have his own identity and um, and philosophy. So this is very important for him. And uh, all the restaurant is no, uh, there are no duplicate. There's no uh, one restaurant that is duplicate everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a uh, 34, 34 restaurants, and they are all different. We have uh, none of one is uh, look like the other ones. Is there any common thread between, while they are different, is there any common thread between all these establishments? Yeah, they are all linked to uh, the excellence and uh, the product. You know, the product is the, the, the link because we have... Um, totally different restaurant from the bistro to the brasserie to uh, uh, Italian restaurant, gastronomy restaurant, three-star Michelin. But the common things is the the product and, and the, the way that we are using it. And as executive chef in the group, what what does your role entail? Uh, my role uh, is, <laughs> is kind of complex because I'm... I'm um, of course, I'm uh, I'm here to execute the the, the vision, uh, the, the culinary vision of Mr. Ducasse, the the DNA, and um, so this is my my first uh, mission to to be here. That uh, everything is want to put in place is uh, put in place the way you want, but also do the following of that. 
because put something in place is 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 one thing, but uh, to keep it like that for for a long time is is a, is another mission. And uh, same things for for the philosophy. You know, we, we need to. The, the, I was saying on the first question about the product, and the, so this is the show and teach the the the, the chefs and the the teams that uh, the product, uh, the way they use, and 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 give them the um, the DNA and the philosophy of Mr. Ducasse. I would really love to know about your earliest memories of food and cooking. Anything else that's, you know, what sparked your passion for, you know, for food and cooking and, and led you to where you are now? I, I start, I start uh, by myself in the, I, I was, I was uh, around 10, 11 and uh, I, I was alone home on, on Wednesday mm -hmm. and uh, I start to, to steal the, the, the book. The cooking book from uh, I found in the the bookshelves, and I try to some recipe, you know, and uh, I try uh, simple things, and uh, and my parents and uh, my grandparents were happy, you know, and uh, I was very pleased to to make them happy, and it came like a, like an habit, and then every Wednesday I was uh, cooking something different. And uh, trying uh, things on the book, and after a while, I was cooking quite quite well for uh, a young boy. Right. And um, after uh, when I was uh, 14, 15, uh, I asked my father to to go to the to the cooking school to the école hotelier. And uh, at the time, it was no like right now. You know, right now you have. Uh, the TV show and uh, you know a lot of people they are willing to go to do this uh, this job and to be a star chef, but at the time it was quite disappointing for the at least for my father to hear that I was going to to be a chef. So it, it was it has been a, a fight for quite a year. I win the fight and uh, I've been uh, allowed to go to the cooking school. I really like it, you know, and uh, I was, I think, in my world and uh, I spent uh, three years in the, the school. I, I get great results. It was not finished, you know, I was really willing to get the, the best job and uh, exit of the school and uh, I was using all my connection to get the, the job. What was your specialty dish? I don't have a specialty dish. I like to cook everything. Uh, I mean, back then, back early on. Ah, like back when then, you, yeah. oh, I was doing, you know, uh, tart, quiche mm -hmm. and uh, things like that. And I was uh, doing cake, cake like entremet, hein, like you know, le, the cake. And uh, I was doing a lot of uh, uh, blanket, uh, daub, things like that, you know, uh, cooking meat, uh, long time and wine things like that yeah you've come a long way <laughs> yeah yeah so you know throughout your career you have worked in some of the finest restaurants in various parts of the globe from nice to paris to monte carlo to los angeles not all of them ducasse establishments so how did your relationship with mr ducasse form i, I start uh, i started in nice for for dominique Lestank, who is now uh, he was working at the time at the at the Negresco, and now he's getting a very small restaurant in Nice. Uh, the name is La Miranda. And I think he is the, 
the person who gave me the the passion and everything for to work in the restaurant. Um, he has been uh, I fall in love with him. He has been a little bit my my godfather for all the years. I, I learned a lot with him. And at the time, he was already impressed with Mr. Lucas. At the time, I I've been to to Lucas Carton and uh, I worked for the French president and. All the time, my uh, expectation it was to find a, a way to go to work for Mr. Ducasse. And at the time, it was the the worst restaurant to 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 find a job, you know, because it was no space, uh, never. Right. And I, I have a chance to to find a, a position over there, and I took it uh, right away. So I start to work in Monaco. Um, with Mr. Ducasse, so I have a fantastic time over there. And after I have to move uh, for family reason in the in the US, so uh, Mr. Ducasse helped me, uh, you know, to 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 get the visa and everything it was uh, very helpful. And 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 we get uh, connected, you know. He was uh, calling me. Uh, once every six months for once a year, he was uh, calling to get some news sending a gift to my uh, son when he get uh, birth you know thing like that and um, so you kept the communication going yes yes and um, I, I came back to Paris a couple of years ago and as soon as I, when I arrived it was uh, uh, he, he tried to to grab me again and I was just accept a position in Paris for chef. And I didn't want to quit and to run away. So I, I wait a while. And uh, after a while, he told me, okay, uh, I, I give you some, uh, I give you some plane ticket. I want you to go to visit this. And uh, I'm sure you're going to like it and go spend one week over there. And uh, you call me after. So um, I went over there. It was a huge position for me because it was a, uh, executive chef of a big hotel and uh, I was uh, just a simple chef you know uh, humble and small restaurant and and now I was going to to operate a big restaurant uh, two big restaurants uh, bars and uh, events you know so it was it was big it was a job that I was no teach for and you work for Mr. Ducasse's iconic Louis Kaz restaurant in Monte Carlo in 1996 for a short time. The Monaco establishment was about 10 years old when you were there and, yeah. you know, pretty much seesawed between two and three Michelin stars. The restaurant is really the pinnacle of luxury and fine dining. So did you find it to really be a, a rich training ground for you? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, um, it's, we still, you know, when we, when we discuss be, between us, uh, the old guy of the 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 team and everything, the weekends are still the the best to to teach the guy and uh, uh, you have everything over there. You have the, the the product, you have the the restaurant, the philosophy. Everything is concentrated in one things. And at the time, you know, the the team was uh, uh, very 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 strong. You know, all the chef. All the, the chefs were working with me in the kitchen. They are nearly all famous. Uh, they are all uh, stars, two stars, three stars. And uh, it was a playground uh, with high level. You know, you have uh, 
you are all all the time you have the eyes on you and you everything it will be perfect all the time yeah so you you learn a lot and when you were executive sous chef at the fine dining establishment l'orangerie in los angeles it was the first time you got to express your talents on both sides of the Atlantic. So when you landed in the United States, what did you see in American food? And what adjustments did you have to make to meet the expectations of American clientele? Uh, arriving to Los Angeles, it was a, a big change. You know, uh, when I arrived and I took the taxi and uh, <laughs> after nine years of uh, of English at school, uh, it was no, I was not able to give my my direction to to the hotel to, to the hotel. So uh, this is start by by there, and uh, after yes, a bit of a culture shock. Yeah, culture shock. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, you arrive of from the weekends of is the yeah one of the more difficult restaurant in the world. Uh, strict and you know everything is is perfect. And I arrive over there with um, you work with uh, different people, you know, and different country. Uh, there are no here to for the same thing as you, and so you need you need to the job need to be done with the people with different people. So this is the the first thing you need to to learn and understand that uh, the job you need to be done need to be uh, with different people and no like you with know the same goal so this is the first things difficult for when you arrive after is a product but the product i was a little bit lucky because he, you are, i was in los angeles is a lot of uh, very nice product and after it was the, the size of the the dish you know the size uh, in in the US, the, the size of the dish are huge uh, <laughs> compared to to France and right. uh, this as well. You need to to understand and uh, sometimes you think that you're doing well, but you are doing well for you, but not for them. So you need to adapt and uh, understand the the philosophy of uh, the, the the people from the the region. And then after I was lucky that. Uh, Working on the weekends and uh, all the training I get, I use to all the technique and the, the dishes I've seen in the weekends to don't do the same things because you cannot do the same things with uh, the product I, I get and the, the team. But I was I was able to get something very nice with the product and the, the team I have. And you were executive chef for several years at the iconic Jules Verne in Paris. The restaurant is on the second level of the Eiffel Tower, and Ala Ducasse took over and revamped it in late 2007. Uh, Jules Verne ha has already been around for decades, but Ducasse transformed it into a Michelin star fine dining experience. What were some of the unique built-in challenges of operating a high-end restaurant, 125 meters up in a 118-year-old structure? the view the view is fantastic and okay. uh, uh you need a, a very very good organization at, at the time we were doing uh, around 250 260 cover every day hmm. with a small kitchen of uh, 80 square meter so everything needs to be prepared in your mind and the surprise is no uh, is no place for surprise. 
So every single dishes need to be fixed uh, very well and uh, you know you need to uh, special organization and all the space need to be think for to use every centimeter to you, you cannot uh, lose any space so right. yeah it, it, it was uh, it was a big challenge we we arrived uh, the restaurant was no at this level uh, on capacity and on numbers and uh, it was a, a big success yes and so what was your approach in creating the menu um creating the menu first the the direction was to to get a, a parisian cuisine so we work and i work a lot to found a, an identity of dishes that they were coming from paris after we open a little bit more to be french but uh, it was first Paris, and after we open a little bit more to all the the hexagon, but um, it, it was it was very interesting. It was like a six seven months of uh, uh, looking in internet, in books, and uh, calling the you know big chef to what do you think? Uh, uh, what if I tell you of uh, a Parisian dish and. And after that, when the, we get everything on on, on papers, uh, the, the restaurant was closed at the time. Uh, so so we work in a over restaurant in Paris, and we work from two o'clock in the morning to uh, eight o'clock in the morning. Hmm. And uh, for weeks, we were working all night to to prep the opening of the Jules Verne. And I want to talk about the position of executive chef. How, how has that position changed? Do you think in the last twenty years? Of course, the now now the executive chef is a is is nearly a businessman. Uh, you need to be able to uh, uh, to do a BP. Uh, you need you, you need to read the numbers, read the PNL. Uh, you need to be uh, expert on uh, hygiene. Uh, you need to have connection. You need to uh do your payroll and uh, you know accounts and uh, you know it's totally different you before the, the executive chef was just looking after his team and uh, the kitchen and uh, right now the, the the executive chef is the the guy who drive the business and uh, make the success or no of the the operation is looking after so I want to talk about your personal process for creating a new dish, evaluating progress and coming up with ideas. How do you go about doing that? Do you gain inspiration from seeing different products from other countries, learning different techniques, you know, discovering new flavors? How do you come up with ideas for creating new dishes? Sometimes it's different and uh, uh, sometimes we, we have to work, sorry, on the special dish or we need to come up with a, I don't know, a lobster dish or a potato dish or something. And uh, we have already the, the product and we need to work on something. And after uh, I have the chance the, to travel a lot. I travel, I travel more than 100 uh, days a year to all the countries. So, uh, you know, I saw a lot of different things, a lot of different product techniques. Uh, have the chance to 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 try a lot of different restaurants. Of course, you know uh, when you come back and uh, 
you have a new asparagus and you, you I talk to the chef of the restaurant and say, okay, we're going to try these dishes. Uh, you know, I saw last time in Japan, the, the guy was doing this and this, and, uh, you know, maybe we can try uh, uh, with this and, and we use different technique. And, uh, and of course, you need to also use the, your team because the, the, the knowledge of your team is very important and uh, is a teamwork. And, uh, it's very important to come up uh, with the idea and driving and everything, but it's very important to listen to them and uh, to make the job together. So aside from the cuisine, which gives a restaurant its fundamental impulse, what are a few fundamental elements that must always be present in a Ducasse establishment? Uh, what is very important for Mr. Ducasse is the, the hospitality. For him, it's very important that the the customer that uh, they working in uh, his restaurant feel like home. You know, so it's very for him. It's very important that the 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 first contact and the first contact sometimes is by the phone. So you know, he doesn't want more than three ring on the phone, and uh, he really he really want that the the, the people they feel uh, like at home. So this is something that we we try to have on all restaurant, uh, and after is uh, some naturality, but also you know he's really pushing to cut the the fat, the, to cut the salt, to cut the sugar, to get uh, more vegetables and less uh, less fish, less meat. It's not to cut the fish and the meat; it's to uh, rebalance the the, the dish. This is in nearly on all the restaurants, you know, we try really to, to look after that. This is uh, something that is uh, everywhere. So we have some one dish that the name is Coupot that uh, we have uh, nearly everywhere. This is a dish that is being created by Mr. Ducat so we can cook inside and uh, yeah, I think we have everywhere. So chocolate seems to be a fundamental element in the Ducasse universe. Mr. Ducasse owns a number of chocolate shops around the world and a chocolate workshop in the heart of Paris. And there's even a new Asseline coffee table book titled The Art of Manufacture by Alan Ducasse, showcasing the artisanal techniques and craftsmanship behind creating his high-quality chocolate products. Can you talk about Mr. Ducasse's lifelong healthy obsession with chocolate and the role it plays in the overall enterprise? Yeah, the, the, the chocolate is uh, is very important for, for Mr. Ducasse. Uh, we just blow the, the candle of the, the 10 years anniversary a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, and now the chocolate is, uh, of Mr. Ducasse is all around the world. We have manufacturing in Paris, but uh, in Tokyo, in London, in, uh, in Munich, and uh, soon uh, in other places. Yeah, the chocolate is came for a long, long time. He worked for several years before the opening. And uh, I have the chance to to follow him some time to select the, the the cocoa bean on the different country and take a small plane and boat and things to 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 get it. And now we have uh, maybe it's a little bit arrogant to say, but uh, <laughs> I can say it. But I think we have one of the best chocolate in the world, and and it's fantastic. You know, I have the chance to to see from the the first cocoa bean we we bring back, and uh, from what it is now, it's a fantastic adventure, and and it's not finished because, uh, as I said, uh, 
the manufacturer is keep uh, growing and growing. And it's not finished, you know, Mr. Ducasse uh, keep uh, pushing the team of uh, the, the chocolate to get uh, better and better, you know, he's, he's pushing all the time. For him, it's not finished. It's no, it's no uh, story that is finished. It's not because we blow the, the 10 years. That now, is uh, for him, it's just start, you know, he's pushing to get new things, uh, new flavor, new uh, chocolate is uh, very, very passionate for him. So I want to talk about technology and, you know, it continues to impact the restaurant business from these intelligent food locker systems in the front of the house. And we're starting to see more smart kitchen technology in the back of the house. So what role does technology play in your kitchens? Smart technology is uh, now everywhere. And um, uh, in, in the kitchen, we have a new system to, to follow, follow our hygiene process. Uh, so everything now is uh, nearly followed by uh, by smart system. You know, the temperature of the fridge or the time you need to leave the, the things in the fridge, the the um, the date on the product, and so this is most of the time you done by uh, by a computer. We can see it coming now. The some some people try to to bring some robots uh, in in dining room or something. You have uh, some oven that has been driven by by uh, technology. We don't use this much, but uh, some of the chefs are using this. You know that the computer uh, he can uh, cook by himself. Uh, but one thing for sure is robots will never replace chefs. There will no replace chefs, but uh, they can replace end. And some of the big, big, huge hotels are, are, are using some artificial intelligence to to do some dishes. Or it's not really a chef, but it's to make food. And for me, it's a big difference between a chef and making food. Right. And but some of the I don't say factory, but something like that. Uh, they are using a robot and, you know, like to, to, to build the car. Right. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and it's working. So we really need to protect uh, the, the way we are doing dishes and everything. So to protect the, the, the business because the, the, the technology is good but for a for couple of things. I think that uh, the we need to keep the kitchen in our heart and uh, keep co cooking the way we're doing now. It seems like one of the biggest trends in the restaurant world was that after the past few years of shutdowns, tumultuous pivoting, and labor shortages, restaurants and customers are embracing a return to the spirit of classic hospitality. Have you been finding that as well? Yes, yes. Um, but as I told you, for us, is is a is a big uh, big topic for Mr. Ducasse. but after the the covid of course the the, the, the customer they were looking for more clothes and more uh, so they want they want to be really feel at home so for us it was it was something that we are already doing so we have to to redo uh, back to basic and uh, work on that but it was quite okay. And we're also seeing restaurants putting more of an emphasis on sustainability, 
waste reduction and the cultivation of meaningful partnerships with local farmers and producers. Ingredients tell a story that resonates with customers and the community. Do you think this will become even more important in the coming years? Yes, yes. Uh, this is, uh, is very important uh, for us and for, for the planet. Uh, we are doing this uh, for several years now for us before even that uh, it was on uh, before it became a trend yeah yeah mr ducas uh, was the the chef who we start with the naturality and uh, everything is, is coming from uh, uh, just around the across the street the product and the producer and the you know the the guy who is doing your vegetables and growing your vegetables and uh, uh, is the guy important? This is the guy who we need to look after. And uh, when we use the, the vegetable in the, in the cuisine, in the kitchen, we need to we use everything. Nothing is no wastage, and we try to 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 maximize everything. It, and this we start a long time ago. You know, uh, is Mister Ducas who vision who give the trend to a lot of people and a lot of chefs. And uh, right now, uh, when you see this on the cooking book or you know on, on TV show for around the, the cuisine, it looked like it's uh, normal. But at the time, you know, it was uh, uh, Mr. Ducas was ahead of everybody. Are there any other fine dining trends that you see taking shape these days, and maybe come in the coming years? The 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 vegan is is coming. Uh, is very start to be very popular like you know what uh, daniel um, is doing in, in new york is uh, mm -hmm. is quite uh, remarkable is is what he's doing is very nice and i think that uh, is growing so yeah this is something that uh, we need to keep in mind yeah. i was reading an interview with chef massimo batura who actually worked for mr ducas early on in his career and he was talking about the new camaraderie among chefs. He said when he's in New York, he goes to his friends' restaurants, people like David Chang and Daniel Ballou and Alan Ducasse, if he's in town. He said, things have changed over the last 10 years in gastronomy. Chefs don't close their kitchens to other chefs anymore. It's all about sharing. We travel all over the world and share techniques, experiences, and ideas with one another. Why has the kitchen of today evolved into a place which is all about sharing knowledge and know-how. Yeah, when when I start when I start the to work in the, in the cuisine, it was uh, totally different. You know, uh, it was very hard to get the recipe, and uh, some of the chefs were were hiding the recipe. You don't get uh, the full recipe, and and it was no connection between chefs. Uh, right now, it's more it's more friendly and and. Uh, I think with the communication and the the, the WhatsApp things and the the, the, the chefs are more able to to communicate and things like Instagram people they see what they're doing and when you see you you want to go and to be connect with other chef and try and do a, a dinner or four ends dinner or, and I think this is is going to open uh, open the um, the kitchen to someone else and. And some chefs also uh, they discover that uh, 
you can take uh, some pleasure to teach and to coach over chefs or a friend and uh, show them what you are able to do and and show them the technique and uh, so this this is uh, for us a lot of different chefs are coming in our kitchen and we show them how to do and uh, the way we do and they, they came and they do different restaurants from uh, our world and and we do the same you know uh, we sometimes we send some uh, chef uh, in Japan to discover how they do uh, uh, sushi or something to to the best chef in the sushi in the world yeah the, the world change and uh, is it a good way it's for the greater good yes so can you talk about some of the new establishments or projects that we can expect from Ducasse Paris uh, this year and maybe 2025? It's a lot of projects, actually. Uh, we're going to to open um, a restaurant, a big restaurant in Paris soon. Uh, we're going to open a gastronomic restaurant in, uh, in Rome, another gastronomic restaurant in Naples. We're going to open uh, Benoit in uh, Riyadh. And uh, coming soon, we're going to have le, La Maison du Peuple, where uh, the, it's going to be the headquarter. It's going to be the headquarter of uh, Mr. Ducasse. All the manufacture on it is going to be coffee, uh, chocolate, uh, biscuit, ice cream, with all the office. And uh, it's going to be like a showroom of uh, all our. Wow. And when is that opening? 2025. Pascal, my last question, which I ask all my guests, is the luxury item question. So if you were stranded on a deserted island and you could only have one single luxury item with you, what luxury item would that be? It can't be any form of air or water transportation to get you off that island or anything that requires mobile service so you can call somebody to get you off that island. It's just you on lots of sand, lots of palm trees, lots of ocean, what would that one single luxury item you would like to have with you? Oh, it's a difficult question. A book, a big book. Uh, Any particular book? I don't know. Maybe a Jules Verne book, you know, to keep, uh, to keep my mind uh, uh, on, on creativity. Pascal Faro, executive head chef for Ducasse Paris. Thank you so much for joining me on the luxury item. Thank you. Thank you very much, Scott. That's it for this episode of the Luxury Item Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this useful and entertaining, I would be really grateful if you can share it with a friend or colleague. I would love it if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other listeners find us. The Luxury Item Podcast is a production of Silvertone Consulting. I'm your host, Scott Kerr. Until next time.